To the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. Um, it's been a while. We've had like a whole two-week hiatus uh, from broadcasting or publishing this podcast, and um, there are many, many reasons why. Um, mainly just because I've just got back to the island and I've been kind of nesting and settling and moving house and. Um, going through a little bit of turbulence, shall we say, in the life department. And um, in the true nature of this podcast, I feel like, you know, one has to take a step back from everything um, and reset uh, myself and uh, other people around me when life gets a little bit like that. So I don't feel bad about it, actually, and I'm not even going to apologise. But I am just um, letting you know that I, uh, yeah, I kind of really felt like I should be um, getting on top of things and at the same time I just thought is the world going to end if I haven't published this podcast I'm not walking um, my walk which is kind of like as a podcast producer um, training other people to be regular and not drop the ball felt a little bit naughty uh, felt a little bit wrong um, but I just ignored what was going on in my head and that kind of voice of should and um, yeah took a little break and let myself just feel into what was required which was basically just letting everything go and not getting stressed out about um, production and work output and all of the admin of life that sometimes piles up in a big old sort of fracas um, if we let it completely do our heads in and in that moment that's when I thought you know what I'm just gonna just going to chillax for a little while and get back to grips with being here in Ibiza and everything that needed to get sorted out. So that's what's been going on for me. Um, And in exactly the same vein, I'm actually sitting, as you can probably hear in the background, there's some sort of uh, tidal action going on. Although Toby Clark from Walking Ibiza was taking the mickey out of me the other day saying that there is no tide on Ibiza. I have to beg to differ there. So uh, I will tag him in this post when I put it up and will uh, no doubt receive some abusive comments. Um, There is some water movement um, in the background and I'm sitting today editing this podcast on my favourite beach. And there are many, many, many beaches on Ibiza um, of which I frequent um, a lot of them. Um, often it's one of the joys of being here but um, to say something is my favorite is quite a bold statement because there's many favorites in Ibiza there's just so many good little nooks and crannies that you can hide in um, depending on where the wind is blowing and which way the waves are moving um, depending on kind of which one is the one that you want to go to because there's a lot of little weather climates here that can really give you um, some very unpleasant experiences actually it can literally be raining in one area of the island and um absolutely gorgeous at the other end so you do sort of need like a sort of series of webcams really which is another business I thought about starting up at one point in my life but um anyway um I'm here at Utopia which is a little Chiringuito um just very close to the port of San Miguel and I'm not going to give you any further details about how to get here from the port of San Miguel if you are inquisitive enough um to want to know where my favorite beach is you'll have to find your own way here and a little um yeah, a little bit of searching and a little bit of uh, opening your eyes when you arrive to the port of San Miguel. You'll find your way to my favourite, favourite, favourite fish restaurant on the island. And one of the chefs here was this incredible Moroccan lady called Fatima. She used to like knock out this incredible couscous. It was either vegetarian or meat. And it came with this incredible picante, like really, really hot sauce um, that used to just blow everyone's brains out. And But they also do a fresh catch of the day and some really beautiful salads and it's just reopened and they also have this wicked cocktail called a Meltopia which is like a carved out melon uh, mixed with vodka with all the contents of the melon um, and served with these wonderful curly long great straws which I always just like a small child get great pleasure of uh, seeing if I can sort of suck it all the way up Um, and they're great for sharing so that's my little uh, big up for my favourite venue I'm not going to say too much more about it because you don't want the world and his wife turning up here Um, but it is only May and there's only uh, two naked sunbathers here that I can see um, this afternoon so that makes me very very happy 
Um, so I'm very, very happy to be here um, editing this podcast today and with my laptop. Um, there's not really any Wi-Fi here or anything like that, but I can just sort of knuckle down. Um, there's not a lot of phone reception either, which is great because it just means that I can just do the podcast. It was my main aim to come here and get this done. I've been putting it off for, um, like I say, a couple of weeks. And now I'm in the zone. And it's just funny, isn't it, when that creativity comes back and that desire, you know that you're getting back into a good headspace again when you want to do the things that you really love to do the things that you're really passionate about and I am passionate about podcast making um it just makes me so 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 happy um and I've just come off giving my very first retreat of the year as well which is another reason that I just did not have the time to um to get this done over the last two weeks um and so it kind of brought me to the conclusion that you know what I'm going to do I'm going to actually run a retreat for podcasting um in the venue that we've just um spent for magical days and nights which is in the north of Ibiza on the road to Portanax it's this wonderful agro-turismo which is just just full of beautiful fruits and veggies in the garden springtime flowers everywhere it's just draped in lemons and oranges and strawberries and you know all kinds of wonderful green vegetables our incredible chef was serving up and so I just thought you know what I'm gonna just do like a four night or three night um retreat here so it'll be two days of um sort of getting clear really on the strategy and the structure for people's oh it's so windy here for people's podcast plans and then um yeah we'll have morning yoga meditation breakfast and then we just get down to business and really you know through the yoga and meditation just get very very focused and centered and grounded about our ideas and um sort of bring them to fruition really as a team there's only going to be four people on each uh each podcasting retreat which I think is the absolute maximum that I would want um, to train and give all my uh, all my attention to I've just been running some other sort of um, two-day courses earlier this month and four seems to be the magic number much to De La Soul's uh, disappointment I would imagine uh, by me declaring that out loud but I feel like four is actually the optimum and maximum that I can really really give my all um, of my sort of background and experience and you know, I'm not an expert, but I, I feel like I've made a lot of podcasts in my time, sort of right back from my BBC days at Six Music, from making the Daily Music News download, um, right up and through some sort of great drinks clients over the years, working for the Smirnoff Experience series in Shanghai, Paris, New York, um, and Paris. And then I also worked on the San Miguel Hidden Depths music series as well, um, all up and down England it's getting windier and windier I'm literally huddled in the corner of a fishing shack now (laughs) trying to protect this microphone um as you do when you um yeah when you're trying to record things in very inappropriate places so anyway I just feel like um I have I have a good deal of um experience editing and creating and trying to make audio in creative ways and I think a lot of podcasts are very studio-based. They are very um, linear in terms of their production technique of just being two people in a studio or sitting over a dinner table or being in a cafe. And, you know, Ibiza is a magical place. There's many, many places that you can record. I'm probably not really um, showing its actual, actual best, sort of a huddle against a fishing shack. But I do know there are places that we can go here um, for, with some really, really great Um, coves and caves and restaurants and beach bars and studios that I have you know some really great um, relationships with that I think that um, we can create some really really amazing audio magic so if you do want a book I'm doing a four night uh, midsummer one which is in August um, from the 15th to the 19th of August and that's four nights and then we've got three days we'll do a little bit of hiking we'll do some nice lunches out we'll get focused we'll get clear we'll get motivated do some yoga meditation have some wonderful breakfast and then really get down to business and you're going to walk away with your advert ready to go your first episode or more if we feel that you're ready to make it and with your whole sort of structure and strategy all organized and then there's going to be a second one in October from the 7th to the 10th um, which is only three nights a little bit shorter Uh, we'll be going out for some lovely lovely dinners in the evening 
and taking sundowners on the beach in Portanax, which is very close to the retreat space, which is just gorgeous. And when I booked the two best rooms in the whole house, um, Cabo and Molly, which are named after two of the beaches here, as all of the rooms are. So it's going to be very, 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 very special. And um, if you've ever thought about making a podcast, you listen to this and think, yeah, I wouldn't mind having a go at that. Um, come along. It'll be really, really great to meet some of you. Um, we're giving away as well some free gifts on this podcast today. So do stay tuned as we meet today's guest, who I also trained uh, to make her own podcast, which will be starting up as part of the Abitha Podcast Collective. Only next month we'll be launching quite a lot of podcasts. Um, so just keep your eyes on our Instagram page, which is The Reset Rebel. Um, on Instagram and uh, also our Facebook page Um, and we're also going to be announcing on the next edition of the podcast uh, the winner of the Yoga Light Vibes Retreat which is at the very start of June which was very kindly donated by of course Sally and Sweeney our yoga teacher um, who we had on the um, series just a couple of episodes ago so we're really 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 looking forward to meeting some of you this summer on some of those retreats and do keep it locked here on the Reset Rebel podcast to experience um, the other gifts that we will be giving away, including one on today's show with today's guest, Joanne Ruby, who is just an absolute pure delight. I can't wait for you to meet her. Don't go away. Today's episode is coming from Canapa Lava. I've always wanted to say that on this podcast. <laughs> it just feels like a very uh, fitting environment for today's uh, particular guest who we have coming on the show, um, who's caused a few palavas in her time, I'm sure. I'm just about to uh, ask her that precise question, <laughs> perhaps as my opening gambit. Uh, but we're actually at Pau Brazil, which is a little... Um, restaurant right bang smack in the middle of the hub which is a gorgeous co-working space that's relatively new on the island it's been here for about 12 months now i've just been hosting a podcasting workshop here uh, for the last two days which is precisely why my wonderful guest is joining us as part of the reset rebel podcast uh, on today's show uh, and i'm very glad uh, and uh, delighted to welcome joanna ruby uh, to today's show hi Hello there, Joe. I thought I was allowed to go home now. Why are you making me stay on and talk longer? It's very unfair. I know, I know. Well, I do that. Uh, I'm always very unfair. Um, it's uh, yeah, talking is what I do for a living. I never really get bored of it. You've probably noticed that by now. But um, it is great to have you here, and it's not the first time we've met, although it kind of is. Uh, the last time I met you, um, kind of from afar, was at the Well Done Plugged gig, which was uh, last. October. Yes, that's right. Um, I was in the cave. They, the World Unplugged did a, a wonderful one-off uh, night in this cool cave, which the last time I went there was a full moon party, I think. They occasionally use it for parties, but that night they were doing uh, one of their many acoustic music nights, and I was performing with my company, Theatre of the Ancients. Uh, we were doing a kind of a strange performance with my giant Tanit puppets and my giant goats, Esvedra goats, and some sinister masked figures. And we were doing a kind of ritualistic play um, that was like a kind of ritual Monopoly board game. Um, and I was quoting phrases from Trump, Donald Trump's best-selling memoir about how to get ahead in the business world. So it was all kind of a cynical take on... Um, well, on the world of money versus spirituality and goddess on this island, really, if that makes any sense. It sort of does, <laughs> yes. <laughs> How does one answer that question? Um, yes, in, in a palaver kind of uh, fashion, it was... Um, <laughs> It stood out, that's uh, why I remember it obviously distinctly and hilariously, even though we'd only kind of met when you arrived on the podcast workshop yesterday. I was like, oh my God, you're the lady that did that incredible production, because I really was quite blown away by it. I mean, the gig was incredible, the venue was ridiculous in like um, Foz's cave, uh, a man whose uh, private property actually has a cave in it, as you do in Ibiza. Um and yeah, I mean, he's had some absolutely ridiculously amazing parties in there in the past, which I, I was even um, a guest at one of his dinner parties a very, very long time ago. So that was the second visit I'd made to Foz's Cave, but that was definitely the most memorable of the two um, excursions there. And the puppetry was just outstanding. I've never seen puppets like that. I mean, obviously, when I think of a puppet, I think of, 
I don't know, maybe like Sesame Street or um, Punch and Judy. Um, but those were life-size, very tall, very almost eerie-looking puppets. And, and they were quite scary, mm-hmm. but mystical and magical and mysterious. And obviously the kind of um, the literature that went with it was very very not what I expected I don't know what I expected really but um, that was not it so I I loved it I really really enjoyed that production Thank you Um, Yes you mentioned my puppets aren't the average puppets yeah I'm not really into the whole um, Punch and Judy um, big colourful multicoloured things Uh, I'm really into kind of old school dark puppetry and yeah the world of ancient traditions and ancient cultures and ancient mythology and all of that kind of stuff so yeah my puppets are all kind of different shades of brown and all made out of earth earthy natural materials and sculpted out of cardboard so um and not painted they kind of quite neutral with sort of dark shadows on them so yeah i'm not really a sort of colorful um loud brash punch and judy kind of girl no, I mean, you don't come across that way either, which is also good that you're not like, oh, my hair. <laughs> oh, oh. I don't have a swazzle. That's, that's the thing that makes that horrible noise. That, um, apparently, you have to be trained for years to be allowed to use a swazzle because there's a kind of a Freemason's kind of law, code of ethics, and you have to like go up the ranks to be able to use one. I don't use one. I was just about to say, where's your swazzle? I'm very disappointed you haven't got it with you. Sorry, no, I didn't bring it to, to Ibiza with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good thing, to be fair. I mean, the, the hilarity of all of this is that I only mentioned to you earlier in the conversation before we started recording that I'd met another puppeteer. Uh, I've never met a puppeteer in my life until I moved to Ibiza. But, of course, I've, you're my second. And you actually are familiar with the other lady that I met on a walk around the island with Walking Ibiza, our wonderful friend Toby Clark, who comes up very often in these interviews um, because she was actually um, doing puppet yoga which I loved um, being a yoga teacher myself and um, thought was just a a brilliant idea but you've already met this lady indeed I have we are talking about the wondrous the fabulous the incredibly individual Harriet Piper of Yoga Puppets Um, (laughs) I met her although I didn't really know her or speak to her but she was on the MA Masters in um, performance art, specialising in puppetry at my university in London while I was studying for my BA degree in puppetry. And I saw her from afar and she was always very kind of smiley, kind of radiated a certain warmth to her. So I remembered her face. And then years later, I guess a couple of years ago, when I was out here on Ibiza, I got a call from uh, a guy that we've both worked for, who's a professional puppeteer in England, who said, Joe got a friend called Harriet and I do you know her well anyway she's coming out to Ibiza and I thought I should put you both in contact so anyway she um arrived at my studio which was the wonderful Tetra um a few weeks later and helped me finish some puppets in time for their closing event and we've been firm friends ever since and we're planning on doing some stuff together this year and performing and making some things so yeah very cool I mean she is a very interesting lady and someone I'll never forget because um, not only is she doing something quite unusual, she's just um, an all-around fabulous character and um, almost quite eccentric, really, I suppose. She's very young, but I just kind of... There's a very quirky, um, yeah, differentness about her, which I, I, I fully embraced the first time I, I got to know her on that walk. And she was sort of living in her car um, Mm -hmm. with you know she'd even fitted sort of curtains around the windows and things which I thought was ingenious and um, she said it was the the most magical thing she'd ever done because she was obviously able to park up wherever she fancied any beach and have the best spot in the whole of Ibiza right next to the crashing waves which you have to admire that because it probably cost Mm -hmm. her um, probably yes uh, a twentieth of what I spend on rent on this island uh, to be living that wonderful lifestyle and she looked like she was having a wonderful time. Indeed she's an adventurer and um, she does definitely definitely kind of prove the fact that puppeteers are generally a little bit oddball and a little bit individual and um, certainly at our university um, Central School of Speech and Drama in London you could spot the puppeteer or the puppetry students a mile off because well there weren't that many of us there were only five people in my year um, two in the year above and two in the year below I think and um, 
you could just spot them apart from the acting students who wore black and were very glamorous and elegant. We just didn't fit in anywhere, really. We had funny colours, funny textured clothes, funny hair, funny expression on our faces and we were generally carrying funny things like bits of bodies cardboard bodies or eyes or yeah weird materials that we just found in the scrapyard outside so yeah I'm glad to bring that spirit of weirdness to Ibiza with me well you've definitely done that I mean I've seen it with my very own eyes and um it is yeah quite the spectacle what got you into puppetry what where did it come from where does this kind of fascination with uh yeah, little bits of natural, muted, giant, weird <laughs> creatures come from. Good question. Um, I suppose I got into puppetry as an art form because I was always a maker and an artist when I was growing up. Loved drawing, loved painting, loved crafting. Um, years later when I left school, I spent a lot of time travelling around and just kind of absorbing craft traditions from around the world in different places. And um, I started um, academia and I did a foundation art um, year diploma and just kind of felt like fine art wasn't really for me and it was a little bit narrow and I wanted something else, something a bit different and a friend of mine took me to this incredible show in London which I'll never forget um, at a place called the Puppet Barge which is or was I think it's still going now, a canal barge parked on the River Thames um, where they did puppet shows and we just went underground and um, watched the rhyme of the ancient mariner with string marionettes and it was just weird and haunted and magical and enchanting and I just came out of that thought wow and sometime after that I discovered that there was a degree course in puppetry at the Central School of Speech and Drama I saw that it didn't have massively kind of high requirements you didn't have to have loads of experience in theatre which I didn't um, and it sounded like I fitted the profile so yeah I just went for it and didn't look back really and then in terms of the making giant stuff out of cardboard that was mainly what I learned on an internship that I did during my degree with the wackiest most fantastic group of anti-capitalist puppeteers in Vermont in the USA called the Bread and Puppet Theatre um, who taught me the trick which I'm now proud to share with anyone on this island which is um, making giant stuff out of cardboard stuck together with cornflour mythena um, so it's all um, biodegradable, eco, really really cheap, free, you know available to all, so yeah haven't looked back wow <laughs> I'm, um, I kind of like want to have a go at that. It's like sort of, I yeah. did a bit of papier mache when I was at school. Does that sort of ca- count? Totally. Is that similar? It it is basically papier mache, but instead of using flimsy newspaper sheets, you use big, thick, sturdy cardboard sheets. So you can make stuff, and when it's dry, it's actually you know really hard, rock solid. You can tap it, and it makes a banging sound. That's what I call papier-mâché. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put that to the test next time I see you doing uh, one of your Theatre of the Ancients performance. And I loved the story. Mm. I mean, when I saw um, The Puppets last October, it's, fu- it's a funny story, actually, because I actually decided to attend the World Unplugged gig and I bought tickets. And I was taking, actually, some retreat clients um, there as part of my yoga retreat. Um, to go and watch these acoustic musicians that Justin Manville, who's also been on this podcast before, the organiser of World Unplugged, um, kind of curates. And they're all very talented people. And the kind of aim of that whole idea is to listen in a very kind of conscious fashion and not talk and not, you know, go to the bar or go to the toilet in the middle of the gig. It's like all about kind of really sitting up and paying attention and being you know, to honour the performance work that's been put together. And so that's why I think yours got, you know, a hell of a lot of attention in that cave. It was a fantastic venue for really sort of intimate Mm. uh, consumption, which I loved. But I took this... um, um, I was going to take these retreat clients and actually they, their flight was delayed and I had these two spare tickets and I was like, what am I going to do? And then I was like, oh my God, the girl, um, Laura, who um, is coming on my retreat next week was just flying in for the Around the Island walk. She was a hit and run victim and she'd won the place on the Around the Island walk and I just called her up and was like, I've got a surprise for you on top of your surprise. You're coming uh, with me tonight and I took her there. And she was like, oh, my God, she was like a small child in the sweetie shop. She was delighted to be running around that cave. And um, Mm -hmm. she actually met one of the musicians um, from the previous, um, yeah, the singers uh, in the group. And she she became very friendly with them. 
Oh, right. Won't <laughs> ask any more questions. Yeah, she had a fantastic it. time. I can't believe I've just confessed that on the podcast. <laughs> Hopefully she won't listen to this edition. Otherwise I could be in big trouble. But um, it was a very memorable evening and um, it was a lot of fun. And I feel like um, what I was actually going to allude to was the fact that I've seen those puppets um, somewhere before and I was racking my brains. And it was actually only when you were sort of um, being interviewed by one of our other podcast guests on the course that it came to light the story of where I'd seen those puppets before and it was of course at Woo Moon can you tell us how Mm. um, that all came about because I feel like that's pretty that's a pretty epic assignment that you kind of um, you got there yeah well for anyone who doesn't know Woo Moon it's been the sort of massive party night success of the last couple of years on Ibiza Um, it's got quite an alternative side to it because the kind of artistic content of it is all put together by a group of contacts, improvisation dancers and mask performers, buto dancers and things like that called Ritual and um, yeah, I think it's a lovely demonstration of how the the kind of hippie world and the commercial world are all intertwined on this little island because um, I mentioned earlier that Harriet was helping me get some puppets ready for the closing party of my old studio space called Tetra which was a wonderful ramshackle delightful hippie creative refuge um, near San Lorenzo in the north and um, for their they were their time was coming to an end like their four years as a cultural association was coming to an end it was all wrapping up we were making a nice event to celebrate those four years and they said to me right you've got to get those puppets ready for the you know for the closing night so that was a really great push for me and I performed them and in that kind of slightly magical island way at the very last minute a hang drum player Ariel turned up and said oh would you like me to play hang drum while your puppets walk around so I was like yes okay and we by the skin of our teeth got those puppets out and and did this quite magical thing with the hang drum and then, um, yeah, it just so happens that some of the key people from Ritual were at the closing party and the next day I got a random message from somebody saying, hey, you know, really loved your puppets, we'd love to talk to you about working with us for our um, for our night Woo Moon. And, yeah, since then I've continued to do bits and bobs with them um, and occasionally they give me fun projects of making masks and headpieces and puppets. Um, so, yeah. That's that's how I've entered my one foot into the kind of clubbing world of the island. I love it. I love the way these things come about in Ibiza. It's just such a small island and mm. everyone is so intertwined and interlinked in such um, beautiful ways that you just, I don't know really, the synchronicity sometimes as well that just kicks off from the smallest of connections can then grow into something really quite amazing and that is one of the key reasons that I love being here. Um and I feel like having you kind of talk about um, that kind of little connection coming off when you were obviously a little bit maybe reluctant to get those puppets out at the closing part um, of Tetra is a kind of an interesting mm. thing. I think what I also loved is um, when you came to the talk that I gave about is it the right time to start your own podcast series here at the Hub um, a month ago now um, and you attended and I did actually have a little round robin of all of the people there to find out if anyone had any plans to actually start one and you did mention that you were thinking about um, a theatrical kind of podcast due to the nature of your work I didn't really know exactly who you were at that point and I think it's kind of interesting to talk about the kind of theatre scene on Ibiza because it's not it's not that apparent really I mean as of so many sort of arts and culture events here um, there is sort of little pockets that exist, but a lot of it is in little villas or, like you say, Tetra. I mean, not a lot of people even knew that that even existed, apart from, you know, you'd have to do a little bit of digging or maybe have lived here or had a connection to someone who's been there to even find out about it. It's not something that was advertised, and that's why mm. it's kind of an interesting beast, the Ibiza um, art scene. It really is, yeah. Four years in, and I'm still, you know, finding my way with it. Um, basically on Ibiza I think everything culture related is very very fragmented and it's kind of got a lot to do with the fact that the the populace of Ibiza is totally fragmented I mean when you think about it I always forget how many people live on this island all year round it's something like I don't know 175,000 people and yet three to five million people pass through here each year and when you think about 
which percentage of the population is Ibithenko or even Spanish-speaking and which population is English and how much interaction those two populations have with each other, I mean, it's really, really low. There's a cultural rift in this island and kind of, I don't know whether I'm managing it, but one of my really, really overall desires is just to kind of heal that rift, to try to to try to educate this English-speaking population about, you know, the, the hidden layers of the island because so many people come here and a lot of them come here with a shitload of money and, you know, they just don't have any real respect or understanding for the culture, for the ancient history and that's, you know, truly, truly damaging for the island for the, not only for the culture but also for the land itself, for the, you know, for the environment. So... Oh yeah, you talk right. You were asking me about um, the theatre scene. No, I'm loving this tangent you've gone <laughs> off on because it's so so true. I mean, there's never been a bigger movement towards trying to find more ecological ways for the tourism industry to integrate mm. into the island. And there's a big eco festival actually this very weekend, um, and the launch of Eco Radio this year, which I'm loving. Mm. The music is absolutely fantastic, but instead of advertisements between each and every track, you have talks on how to go plastic-free and how to respect um, the nature here on the island, the marine parks, the Ibiza um, Preservation Fund, who we'll also be speaking to very soon in the next few weeks on this podcast. And I feel like never has there been um, more interest and more acknowledgement of the problems that are being created by this extreme wave of tourism that sweeps over the island every summer around mm. about now just uh, before the closing parties sort of mid-may um, mm. and basically washes it with a lot of rubbish and a lot of people and a lot of chaos yeah yeah totally um yeah i'm just i'm just doing what i can to go against that um how oh god what a good question um yeah i suppose i consider myself i consider myself somebody who has one foot in the sort of ibithenko-ish world like my partner is ibithenko for example and um i speak i don't speak ibithenko but i speak spanish and i understand ibithenko and i'm just trying to communicate you know the essentials of the 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 hidden layers of this island's history mythology like the most basic basic things through my art so for example yeah my giant puppets they represent some kind of key figures from the island's past the goddess Tanit, the goddess Demeter, uh, the goats of Esedra, the Podenko which is the typical hound of the island and gradually I'm kind of trying to dig up the old stories from the island um, which were generally sort of written in Catalan um, in the last century and yeah turn them into English or communicate them in a visual way that's accessible to people of all languages so yeah I think it's just uh, I'm just trying to generally in a kind of fuzzy way communicate visually the idea that we're not just here on an island where there's blue sky and really beautiful beaches you know we're in an actual place with its own cultural identity and it's just not on to take all the nice bits of the island and to not have a a really really genuine heartfelt interest in all aspects of the island you know the the identity of the island and also how to how we can contribute to the identity of that island and not just sit here kind of borrowing a little patch of it but actually how can we actively you know engage with heart and soul to that island i think there are so many many ways and so many beautiful ways that um we all do even just through daily rituals and routines like yoga meditation getting out hiking and really appreciating the nature here and I think since I've you know in the last seven years living here I've done that endlessly and my appreciation has totally transformed from what it was previously when I used to come here to party and play as a music journalist and really hadn't been anywhere north of Ibiza town um, in all of the kind of more than a decade that I'd been coming here several times a year so it really opened my eyes to another side of the island and gave me uh, a different lens to view Ebethenko culture Um, and having rented a retreat house here from an Ebethenko family um, and really gotten to know them quite well through those years um, I think yeah absolutely it's it's there is a lot of beautiful 
locals here and um you know you're probably not going to meet them if you're coming here for a week's holiday and staying in the south of the island hitting ibiza town going out for nice meals and renting a boat and popping over to formentera but you do you know once you really try and immerse yourself a little bit more and make a real effort to go north and try and go to little villages and you know cafes that aren't english-speaking um or obviously sort of touristic or have a, a menu in english you might actually um, scratch some of the surface and and that's where the magic is and I you know just little places even than San Carlos like you know Baranitas or you know um, just some of the kind of more off the beaten track kind of bars and restaurants which I I just I take so much pleasure from just sitting there with a cup of coffee and people watching and experiencing true Ebethenko locals popping in for maybe even a glass of wine at nine o'clock in the morning I mean <laughs> I love it yeah yeah I really enjoy watching the old boys at the bar wherever I go around the island who tuck into their was it an espresso next to a glass of rum at what ten thirty in the morning I love it the morning hasn't started until you've seen at least three old guys doing that absolutely mm. I'm with you I mean when I used to go um I used to work in Galleria d'Elefante um, teaching yoga in the morning and then I would race from there over to Sonica to go and work um, I was working on Pioneer DJ Radio actually and you know going from A to B I really needed a little coffee hit before doing the class and it was this little bar on the back of the Santa Catrudis Road to San Raf and it's sort of by a roundabout where you could turn right towards the um Hippodrome? The Hippodrome, exactly mm. that. So it's just on the right before the turn off to the Hippodrome or towards La Grania, any of those uh, places, or what's the other great little um, agriturismo with the swimming pool that's down there as well. Oh, Another really beautiful place that not many people know about um, with a lovely, lovely garden. I probably shouldn't even mention it because <laughs> not a lot of people know about it, and it is a magical place to escape the madness of the summer. It's the one place that you can probably go to and still relax uh, peacefully um, on the island. But anyway, this bar on the way, uh, on that back road, oh, my God, it's just absolute carnage in there. <laughs> and it's just that everyone's smiling, everyone's you know, having a lovely conversation, and there's a real community of old boys in there getting shit-faced at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's not <laughs> it's not just one or two. I've been in there so many times where there's like 15, 20. Um, it is basically just guys, actually, as well. Mm. And I would go in there in my, you know, leggings and probably, you know, a reasonably tight top, and I would just feel like, you know, that kind of scene from a, a cowboy and western where all the old boys are sitting at the bar and <laughs> the door creaks open and, you know, a cowboy walks in and all eyes turn. It felt a little bit like that. But I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm, I still felt like I was on holiday here for the first sort of five years of living here. And yeah. I kind of just loved every second of it. I thought it was brilliant and hilarious. Totally. And I think those old boys in their sort of semi-inebriated, half-sleepy way, they're very accepting of whoever rocks in through the door, I find. Yeah, I think that's just because Ibiza is for me. I think expect the unexpected is my my top phrase here, and my catchphrase for Ibiza would be exactly that. If someone said, "What's it like there?" I'm like, "Well, anything could happen at any given moment, always," because there's such a mix and diverse integration of cultures here. And even though you're saying like culture here, yeah, the Ebithenko culture. But, you know, if you make an effort to get out into different pockets, and I, I would definitely call myself, I hate to say this out loud, but a bit of a social butterfly, and I've always had, wherever I live in the world, like lots of different groups of friends from different walks of life, and I've got so many different interests that, you know, one minute I'm in, like, you know, Tetra at the kind of, like, hippie party, and the next minute, mm -hmm. yeah, I could be on a boat to Formentera, like, with some clients that have invited me or whatever, and that is why I love living here, because... I like to experience different sides of life and, and to, you know, appreciate the rich tapestry of what this world can offer. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's got so much to offer in Ibiza from the water world of being out on the water, the sporty side, the kite surfers, you know, the boozy side, the party side, the healthy side, the yoga side, the meditation side, the spiritual mm -hmm. side, you know, the history. And I mean, you know, even just the medieval festival that's coming up mm -hmm. this month, which I think was one of the most amazing things I always used to incorporate into my very first retreat of the year every year we used to all bring a fancy dress costume oh, and go cool. to the medieval festival on the last night of the retreat and just prance around like old maids and like really like you know we wouldn't sit there sort of um eating pig from the uh, the spit roast and throwing bones over our shoulders but i was bloody tempted i got right in the old totally. spirit of things yes yes it's going to be an interesting one for me because this is the first year that i'm actually living in the old town so uh yeah having a gigantic medieval fair happening around me for four days in a row with 
giant pieces of meat on sticks and explosions and gunfire and owls on chains and stuff. I don't know how I'm going to get in and out of my front door, but it'll be interesting to find out. Well, you might just not want to actually go outside your front door. You could sit on your balcony. I'm sure you have one there and just appreciate the world washing by underneath your feet. Yeah, I think I may kind of get myself comfortable up there with a bottle of mead and an old candle and, um, yeah, leave in four days. I mean, I think you're quite lucky to be living in the old town. I've actually moved also this year... um, completely from the north of the island more towards the centre I'm now living in Talamanca which is a stone's throw from the old town you can see it from my my terrace where I practice yoga in the morning and I just love the fact that I can see a world UNESCO heritage site from my bedroom window for me that is a magical thing and I you know people talk about Dalt Villa and the old town and you know but it's just got some incredible real deep rooted history that I really yeah, I've grown quite attached to it over the years. I feel very fond of Dalt Villa. I mean, of course, everybody also in the month of May goes up there for the IMS uh, Knees Up, which is kind of at the end of the um, the three-day kind of uh, talks on what's going on in the electronic dance music industry, which, you know, might be your thing, might not. Um, I've been every year for the last seven years. This is the first year I'm not going, so I'm going to a wedding in Denmark. But I do love that big party up there, which is only allowed once um, of the year for them to have extremely loud electronic music I think Sven Vath was headlining last year and it was just it was amazing to have a naughty party on top of what is really a very sacred and holy site really on the island well yeah I think I've been warned about that particular night and I think it's penciled into my calendar (laughs) um it will be interesting Uh, probably windows will be shut if uh sleep is required during those nights it Um, ends at 12 o'clock so you definitely won't you know you'll be all right Um, yeah that's fine um, but yeah, I never really imagined that I'd live down in the south. I was always a, my heart was in the north of the island, you know, the hippie north. Um, but circumstances, life has changed the course of my path and I found myself down in Dalt Villa. But it's got a magic of its own. I mean, it's a crazy place. Um, I go for a little walk and I find the opening of a tunnel, which was the tunnel that the Christians climbed into the city via to overthrow it from the moors that's pretty crazy i mean that just blows my mind yeah Mm. it's incredible um but i also do sometimes walk around trying to get from a to b and out of an empty street suddenly appear 40 people with bum bags and cameras on a tour or coming off a cruise ship and that can be a little bit um bewildering bewildering there's a word or Mm. hilarious I mean I just find it absolutely comedic when I'm wandering around the old town in the peak of summer when you know you've got these parades walking past from the clubs with little guys and their tiny tiny little trunks and women wandering Mm. past in just you know all kinds of corsets and very um, tantric looking outfits with lots of sparkles a lot of kind of um, what you call it um you know, gay men dressed up as women. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And yeah. there's a big gay festival as well, Gay Pride, which I took part mm. in last year, which I loved. That was actually probably one of the highlights of my summer last year, was just sitting there watching the spectacle of Gay Pride unfold. And that was another massive, massive party, actually. That one is more of a DJ gig down in the port. They have a big stage that they build there, and they have, like, um, a tranny on the decks just, yeah, playing all of the kind of, you know, YMCA kind of uh, hits and uh, everyone's absolutely going for it and covered in glitter and um, that's another huge celebration but there's so many celebrations Mm. through the course of the summer in Ibiza's old town and this island Mm. feels like a very celebratory space Um, that's something that I I love about the Ibithenko culture is it feels like they're not shy of taking a holiday today is a national holiday which which kind of holiday is it today? El Día del Trabajador the workers' holiday 1st of May yes I mean, we've definitely got a couple of bank holidays in England as well, but I, I like the fact that there are lots of bank holidays here mm-hmm. and there's lots of excuses to take a day off and there's always a reason or a place to spend um, a good day off in Ibiza. Where would that be for you? Um, well, oh gosh. I mean, I think going down the kind of locals route, you want to be in a restaurant or outside a restaurant being served a kind of almost one metre in diameter paella dish or fideo fideos that's a kind of a paella but made with noodles that i discovered recently 
just with you know random people um for about five hours um in the shade hanging out with family or friends that would be you know the proper and appropriate way to spend the bank holiday i think I absolutely agree. But your boyfriend, you say, is from uh, Ibiza, born and bred. Yeah. How did you meet this man? Because I do quite like this story, seeing I've been very privy to some of these interviews uh, that we've been doing over the last couple of days on this podcast course, to how you guys got together. Do tell. Yes. I managed to find a real-life, actual Ibithenko person. Quite astounding, really, how that happened. Um, yes, well, Enrique is a filmmaker and... Um, Basically, uh, a couple of winters ago, I was kind of getting a bit sick of the hippie north and um, I wanted to kind of fit in with the culture, the cultural scenes going on with the local people. So I started going to lots of film events down in Ibiza town and I discovered that there's this whole network of really interesting filmmakers and, and, you know, creating some really interesting stuff that no one kind of outside of Ibiza town really knows about. And so, yeah, I started going to those events and figuring out the kind of main figures in the scene. And I got chatting to one of them over a coffee because I was interested in making a film project and I needed some advice. And he said, well, do you mind if I put your your email over to a friend of mine who um, does a series called Aguayums, which means water and light in Catalan, because um, he does documentaries about artists where he follows the th- them making a piece of art, whether it's a poem or a sculpture or a painting or whatever. And um, I'm sure that he'd love to do one about you making a puppet. So yeah, this guy got in touch and um, kind of he was man- he managed to pull himself from the safe confines of Ibiza town up to the north to Tetra, my slightly hippie um, artist space where I was working at the time. And um, yeah, he filmed me making a giant puppet. And um, yeah, that's basically it. Do you think he had designs on you before he filmed you making the puppet? Was this all just a, a ruse to get you get you into his uh, evil clutches I genuinely don't think so actually Um, I didn't find him flirtatious enough at all Um, he was you know from the very outset very very professional and a bit cool to be honest for my liking having spent so much time you know surrounded by half naked hippie men in the north um, I would have liked a bit more looseness from him but no he was very very straight and very professional so um alas no i think how did the moment developed. come where you actually did get together then who asked who out well well okay so he actually was going out with somebody at the time and um he made that clear to me and that was all fine but i felt the need kind of for various personal reasons i felt the need to just get it off my chest and just tell him that i thought he was you know all right after filming was over when I thought that probably we wouldn't ever see each other again. So I sent him a Facebook message and um, his reply was just so bloody decent and honourable that it just made me sick. Um, He just said that, you know, the feelings were mutual um, but he was also, you know, with somebody else and therefore nothing could or would happen between us and, and, you know hopefully let's be friends um and things just very very naturally kind of put us on the same path months later so yeah I think you know it happened in a decent and honorable way I'm very glad to hear that we don't want uh, debauched tales of uh, yes tantric offerings on this podcast no 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 <laughs> it, it's only the foreigners who do that sort of thing the Ibithenkos are very um non-tantric generally oh okay well, this well, is good to know, know. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to label all of them with the same paint. All of them with the same brush. No, no, definitely not. No. Uh, not good to do that at all. I'm just mm. admiring some of the paintwork here at Pau Brazil. It's a very beautiful restaurant, actually. Is this actually opening soon? I've seen a fashion show here once um, last summer. Actually, at one of the opening parties of the hub. Um, there were some very wonderful models and confreds and bind strutting up and down here in bikinis, um, and some great. Great drinks being served, but I've never eaten here, have you? I've never been here before until I came to your podcast workshop. In fact, I still don't really understand what this restaurant is in relation to the co-working space where we've been doing the workshop. It all seems to overlap and I don't really understand how it works. But It's just sort of like a piggy in the middle, really, in between the two uh, co-working buildings and it's a very colourful, tropical... I feel like sort of George Michael, if he sadly wasn't uh, with us anymore, would have 
possibly pop up from behind that bar and start giving us some uh, drinks for free, um, which sadly won't be happening because I actually murder a little a little beverage. It's Mojito quite. Would be nice. It's very hot. It's mm-hmm. very hot today. It's the first of May. Happy May, by the way. Mm-hmm. Do yep. love the first of May. May. It's Happy always May. the day traditionally in brighton where i used to go and jump in the sea so I, we were discussing the idea we both brought our swimming togs did you bring your togs um i lied no i didn't actually um oh my god i'm i'm shocked and horrified yeah but i went swimming last weekend and um i also ate sea urchin for the first time last weekend on a tiny rock near portinax how was that um the person who offered it to me said this is going to be so amazing you'll love it so much and um it was it was nice it it's a very, very delicate flavour, but kind of sweet and sour at the same time. So it wasn't cooked or anything, it was just straight no. out of the shell? Yeah, yeah. That spiky bit kind of wrenched apart, and then you kind of sift through the glunky bits inside and pick out the little orange bits, and the orange bits are the ones that are good. But I would say do it with caution and respect. And also, not all sea urchins have the orange bits in them, so sometimes it's, you know, you're kind of sacrificing a life in vain. I think I'm not going to go down that road, but, um, I'm, you know, you've uh, told us how it was, and I, I don't think any, mm-hmm. anybody else needs to experience that on this podcast. Um, but mm-hmm. thank you for sharing. That's nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you're going to be sharing something else with us, which um, is one of the wonderful reasons that we've also got together to record this episode of the series, which is perhaps a little gift back to one of our wonderful um, charity members. Yes. Well, you told me a little bit about how this um, Reset Rebel podcast thing works and that we should um, offer something which we do as a gift. And I would love, (coughs) excuse me, I'd love to offer a one-to-one workshop with an adult, definitely doesn't need to be a child, um, with an adult to make a puppet. Um, So you can come to my studio in San Lorenzo and um, we will make something together and I'll show you how. You can maybe, you know, figure out the whole cornflower starch glue thing and get your hands on some cardboard. And, uh, yeah, I hope that that's a bit of a new experience for somebody. Well, I really wish it was going to be me, actually. I've always wanted to make a life-size puppet. And I think, you know, what a wonderful way to sort of get out of your head and back into your your fingers, really. It's like gardening or any of these other wonderful kind of, um, you know, pottery or anything like that. Really great exercises, I would imagine, to if you're suffering from anxiety or depression or heartbreak or loss. Um, just a lovely way to disconnect from the old head and do something um, to take yourself to another place and I think that that would be a really wonderful thing for somebody um, to get involved in so if you are feeling a little bit like any of those things that I've just described um, do get in touch there's a lot of like art and yoga retreats on the island um, and I think it's a very therapeutic um, exercise to undertake so I'm very grateful for this offering I think it's a fabulous gift back to someone that maybe lives on the island or someone that's coming this summer that would like to take you up on that very generous offer Um, and I'm really grateful to have had you here also as part of the podcasting course which has been um, going down for the last two days would you like to plug your podcast because having worked through um, that concept with you for the last 48 hours um, here at the hub it's been a great process to witness the unfolding of it and actually to put together Um, the kind of trailer for it and I just can't wait for it to come out next month yeah thank you so I'm going to start a new podcast called The Wells of Tanit and it's all focused on Ibiza culture history folklore ecology all of the sort of hidden aspects of this island and each month I'm going to be exploring a different theme from many different angles if you've ever listened to Iggy Pop's show on Six Music that's the kind of main inspiration so you kind of take a theme and just go off on one maybe have some informal <laughs> chats maybe go out and record some soundscapes quote some poetry uh, little extracts of literature and yeah just get under the surface of the island really I love this idea so much and I think that well, I actually thought until 24 hours ago when you showed me something else that existed that I didn't know about, I didn't think, excuse me, 
Ooh, dear. Slight regurgitation there of the uh, garlic guacamole I had for lunch. Um, it was amazing guac. Yeah. It was. <laughs> Thank you so much. I made it with my own fair hand. Um, I didn't know that there was any kind of radio show um, of that nature on the island. Um, and there is. There's an amazing podcast, which you're also going to tip our hat to um, right here in this moment, called Ibisology. And it is a fantastic podcast, just like yours is going to be. Um, looking at some of the arts and culture and history and um, yeah, wonderful, interesting mm. fascinating writers that live here um, one of which is the latest guest on that podcast who would you like to tell us a little bit about his book because it sounds very, very good. Yeah, so the most recent episode from uh, William Beecham's Ibithology is about Damien Enright, a wonderful chap um, who wrote the book Dope in the Age of Innocence, which I would heartily recommend anyone get their hands on, <clears throat> which accounts his his adventures um, back in the sort of early 1960s when Damien Enright arrived on Ibiza and Formentera as one of the really early sort of trailblazing hippie uh, travellers. And he had many, many adventures here and off the island. And it's just such a great insight into the sort of what Ibiza was like just when tourism was, you know, there were tiny traces of it appearing on the island. Um, It's really fascinating. And Damien seems to be in the process of getting his book turned into a series which is going to be aired on one of the major um, streaming channels like Netflix. So, yeah, get your hands on the book. I think I will. Uh, it kind of reminds me of when I um, interviewed Howard Marks, um, on, not on this podcast, sadly. I, I really think I should put that out as an episode sometime because he's one of the most magical and mythological people, I think, of the storytelling that he recounted when he gave quite a few events, actually, at Pike's Hotel and the fact that he was the world's biggest drug smuggler. Um, and I just think, you know, this story of this, this, this guy, Damien, also smuggling drugs between Turkey and, um, and Spain. And, I, I, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to condone smuggling, but I just feel like there's not a lot of people left in this world these days that have Billy Big Balls, you know, people that are really willing to gamble with their freedom to ship around a boatload of drugs. Now... I just find that fascinating, that exact thing right there, that someone actually would charter uh, a plane and dis- or a boat and decide to ship a boatload of drugs somewhere. Hmm. I just feel like, you know, I, no one really does that these days. I'm sure they do. Of course they do somewhere. And of course I don't know about them or otherwise, you know, I might be behind bars. But I feel like that is a courageous act. And actually with the ways that, you know, CBD oil and all these things are, are happening now and the fact that this acceptance of weed is is becoming a a very different social acceptability, really. And it's becoming a very medicinal plant and property and thing that is very, very um, needed, you know, particularly for cancer patients. I mean, I don't know anybody that's not been diagnosed that hasn't given the old CBD thing a serious whirl and gone deep into that story. And it's like, you know, why was this such a, a, yeah, an illegal thing for so long of course I appreciate the reasons why but it feels like it's becoming a very different story now and I loved listening to Howard's tales when he was here on the island and I'm sure this book will be equally as fascinating and I do feel like Ibiza is a destination that a lot of writers um, navigate towards um, in general really and there's a lot of very creative people here like yourself who are making giant sized puppets and I just absolutely adored watching that production at World Unplugged and you just did another one recently um, yes, well, I tried something slightly different actually the other day without any puppets. I just did a, a straightforward adult storytelling session at another World Unplugged event, and it was a bit of an important landmark for, landmark because, um, yeah, storytelling as an art form, a serious, deep art form for adults, is something that I'm very used to um, from when I was living in the UK before I moved to Ibiza and it's definitely one of my aims here is to establish a sort of a storytelling performance for adult audiences seen on the island because um, back in Devon I studied um, storytelling and myth with um, Martin Shaw really really inspiring man and um, he you know helped us to really understand the sort of deep symbolism and the healing and the transformation that can come out of 
entering into traditional stories and um, you know working with their metaphors and their symbols and applying them to our own lives and you know giving us guidance for the kind of screwed up state that we are we are in at the moment and the planet is in so yeah that's something I really want to get going on the island and I had my first bash last weekend and I think it was yeah I think it went rather well good I'm glad well I'm glad it went well but I'm I'm sad that I missed it because um I do love a bit of World Unplugged and those events are really 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 fabulous and he's doing a a big festival in England in Yorkshire I believe um in October which is kind of where he's from um so yeah I think Justin's gonna have an amazing time um creating and curating that festival are you are you gonna be part of that maybe I'm in early chats with them yep we're discussing some stuff fantastic I'm very excited to see how that all unfolds, how exciting. Um, I'm going to draw this to a close, but it's been really, really, really lovely to talk to you and hear a little bit more of your sort of inspiration for Theatre of the Ancients. And if anybody is passing the island and maybe wants to experience that, where would they find you? Well, um, the best way, of course, is via old social media, Theatre of the Ancients Ibiza on Facebook and Theatre of the Ancients on Instagram. But my studio is very near the San Juan Road, um, near the turn-off to San Lorenzo. So, uh, you know, you could always just pop in and meet me and my large cardboard friends. (laughs) (laughs) What a way to end. You and your cardboard friends, fantastic, (laughs) but like my imaginary ones. Um, Thank you so much, Joe, for joining us here on the Reset Rebel podcast. And if you do want to join uh, Joe and Joe, like we've just done that, um, the other Joe, then you can and you can write into us at just the good news, please, at gmail.com and um, tell us why you would like to experience this wonderful workshop that she's offering to create a life-sized Ibiza-style puppet. I'm not sure whether we can create a life-sized puppet because that generally takes about a month. Ah. But we can make a smaller one. <laughs> <laughs> right, loud and clear. A small puppet of, uh, of sorts. And uh, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. So drop us a line, follow us on Instagram at the Reset Rebel. And um, hopefully we'll hear from you super soon. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank Ruby you, jo. from Theatre of the Ancients. Thanks, Joe. Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel.